Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Brother Elder. It's great to be here this morning in this uh, beautiful building, and this is a lovely place. Good to be here on a Friday morning to worship the Lord, to talk about the Lord and the things of God. Amen. It's great to be a child of the King today. Uh, somebody wrote a song a long time ago, I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. And uh, I'd rather live for God than any life. It's a good life living for the Lord. Amen. It's a good life living for the Lord. I don't have any regrets. I believe when we get to the end of the journey, we're not going to have any regrets that we've served the Lord. It's a great life serving God. It's great to be with you. And to Brother Khan, your superintendent, we love and appreciate all the good ministers that are here, families and the good saints of God from uh, Kansas. It's great to be with you. Appreciate the opportunity to come and to worship God with you and to be a part of this camp meeting. Amen. When it comes to the church, we all ought to be a part of it. Whatever church you attend, the local church you're a part of, you need to be a part of that church. Give your best to it. Uh, you've probably read it. I read about the story of a, of a man that came into a city many years ago, and there was a man sitting at the gates of the city. And... Uh, the stranger said, what kind of folks live in this town? I'm a stranger here, and I'm just coming in. What kind of folks live in this town? He said, what kind of people live in the town where you came from? <clears throat> well, he said, where I came from, they were bad people, mean-spirited, and they couldn't get along. They gossiped, and they talked. They, they lied on people. The old man sitting at the gate said, that's exactly the kind of people lives in this town. And a few days later, another man, different man, came by, and the same old man sat at the gates of the city. And the uh, second stranger said, Sir, what kind of people live in this town? He said, What kind of people live where you came from? Oh, he said, Where I came from, the people were nice and sweet and gentle. They were helpful and kind, and they'd do anything in the world that could for you. And he said, That's the kind of people lives in this town. Same city. Praise God. A whole lot of it is in the person. Amen. I said a whole lot of it is in your outlook. A lot of people are negative in their thinking. And uh, we won't get much done for God if we're negative in our thinking. We've got to look to the Lord and um, understand that this is His church. This is His work. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pastor. We belong to God. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. Amen. Amen. I've heard a lot of people talking about the, uh, <clears throat> the Latter-day Saints. Well, I tell you what I'm looking for in the church I pastor is not some Latter-day Saints, it's some everyday saints. I just want to see some folks live for God every day. <laughs> Praise God. Just loving God every day, whether the sun's shining or whether it's raining, whether you're having a good day or bad day. In every life, some rain's going to fall, but thank God we can uh, serve the Lord in all conditions because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How many knows we're more than a conqueror through him that loved us? Let's praise him this morning. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So uh, 
uh, I'll read from the Word of God, but when it comes to your church that you're a part of, and that's really where God works. The greatest work that God's doing today is in and through the local church. That's where God's doing His work. Amen. I heard about a fellow that came to a church first time he was there, and he said, um, he said, I want to be a part of the choir. I want to join the choir. And, um, and so the, the choir leader said, well, what church are you a part of? And he said, uh, oh, he said, I belong to God's invisible church. <laughs> and the choir leader thought real fast and said, well, then I suggest that you join God's invisible choir. But everything that God does, he does it through the church. Praise God. I said, everything God does, he does it through the local church. God will not bypass the local church. God will not bypass the shepherd that he has put there through the, through the sovereign work of the Holy Ghost. God will not bypass that shepherd. Amen. Do you believe that? God places them in the church. God puts the pastor in the church. And we ought to do more than just belong. We ought to participate. We ought to do more than care. We ought to help. We ought to do more than believe. We ought to practice. We ought to do more than be fair. We ought to be kind. We ought to do more than forgive. We ought to forget. We ought to do more than dream. We ought to work. Praise God. It's time for all the dreamers to wake up and go to work. Work while it's day. The night comes when no man can work. Praise God. I've seen folks that... That could shout real good, and I, I love shouting, man. I like shouting. But I've seen folks shout a lot. When it comes to work, they, they were absent. <laughs> when it comes to going soul winning, they were absent. When it comes to mowing the churchyard, they were absent. When it comes to cleaning the church, they said, that's not my calling. <laughs> I didn't know you had to be called to mow a churchyard. I didn't know you had to be called to clean the church. I was cleaning the church before, <clears throat> before God ever called me to preach. And you know what? Wasn't being paid for it either. Doing it free. Praise God. I believe you ought to do something for your church and say, this is just for the work of God. I'm not charging the church anything. I'm doing this just because I love God. Love my church. <clears throat> Amen. How many love the church that you're a part of? How many love your church? Praise God. Amen. 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 There was a fellow who went to try out for a job, and I'll, I'll read then from Ephesians 3.13. Uh, this is a true story, <clears throat> as though the rest of them were not, but uh, this is a true story. <clears throat> and uh, I read this and said, um, guy came to apply for a job, and he gave him an application. He said, go over there and, at that desk and fill it out. So I went over to the desk and started to fill it out. And when the guy got the application back, Brother Cornwell, this is, what it, this is the way it read, exactly verbatim. First line, it said, name. He put Bill. That's all. First name. Bill. Said the second thing was desired position. Answer. Reclining. <laughs> then he put ha. Seriously, whatever's available. If I was in a position to be picky, I wouldn't be here in the first place. <laughs> Next thing, it said desired salary. He put down 185000 a year starting off. Plus stock options and a severance package. <laughs> Next one, he, it said education. He put yes. <laughs> it said last position held. 
Answer, target for middle management hostility. Next one was most notable achievement. Answer, my incredible collection of stolen pens and post-it notes. The next one, have you received any special recognition? Answer, I may already be a winner in the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. <laughs> next one, can we, may we contact your current employer? Answer, if I had one, would I be here? <laughs> uh, next one, do you have a physical condition that would prohibit you from lifting up to 50 pounds? Answer, of what? <laughs> 50 pounds of what? Next one, do you have a car? Answer, I think the more appropriate question would be, do you have a car that runs? The next question was, what would you like to be doing in five years? Answer, living in the Bahamas. Actually, I'd like to be doing that right now. Handed it in, and the amazing thing was they hired him. He got the job. <laughs> so if you ever need to fill out an application, you know exactly what to put on it. <clears throat> but the only thing is you may not get the job. That's, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number uh, 13. Again, it's great to be with you. Uh, i uh, looking forward to hearing Brother Booker today. What a marvelous message he preached last night. Brother Booker's a marvelous preacher and a great man of God, and I love him very much and appreciate him. And he preached a great message last night. And there was a great spirit here. The singing's been good. The music's been good. The uh, fellowship's been good. The meals have been good. Everything's good in Kansas but the rain. Everything but the rain. But it's clearing up a little bit. Not in Wichita, but here. Maybe some of this sunshine will just keep on moving throughout the whole state. Who knows? But Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 13. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his grace, or glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you for a little while, and then Brother Booker's coming, and I'll be like a, maybe like a West Texas tornado or a, car, or a Kansas tornado. I'll just hit and get out of the way. But I do want to hear Brother Booker. But I, I want to talk about verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church. Unto him be glory in the church. Amen. I want to talk today about the church. And uh, for the sake of a... Subject, I, um, uh, I'll just talk this morning about how to kill your church without trying. How to kill your church without trying. Brother Khan, won't you come pray for us?
Oh, thank you, Lord, for the good time we're having in the name of Jesus. Lord, we praise you for the man of God that you've brought to this pulpit this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would bless and anoint and strengthen, brother. Go there. Allow us to be able to hear and understand what you want us to hear, Lord. Oh, Lord, let the word of God sink down into our hearts, Lord, that it might produce fruit, Lord, and that we might be your people, that we could grow in grace and do your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Seated and God bless you this morning in Jesus' name. Let's all clap our hands for the Lord this morning. Amen, 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 amen. My uh, battle with a cold since I've been here, well, before I came, and my left ear is totally stopped up, and so I can't hear very well, but uh, my wife says that I'm getting a little hard-headed, I mean a hard hearing, so. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I'll try to do my best this morning. Praise God. How to kill your church without trying. Now, you know, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is very important. It's very important. We know the church is, uh, is more than just buildings. It's more than just carpet. It's more than pews. It's more than pianos and keyboards and organs and PA systems and whatever. A lot of folks drive by a building and they say, there's the church. In actuality, that is not the church. That's the building. That's where the church meets. But uh, that's not the church. The church, we know, is the body of Christ and is made up of men, women, and young people from every walk of life. We are members of his body. We are members in particular of the body of Christ. And I rejoice in the church Everything that I have, I have it through the church. Everything I know about God, I learned through the church. Every truth that's ever been imparted to my life, I learned it through the church. And you know, I think there's a value in going to church because every service is uniquely and distinctively different. No two services are just alike. And that's good. And I don't believe that folks ought to be able to predict exactly what's going to happen in a church when the Holy Ghost's moving. Um, you're not going to be able to predict exactly what's going to happen and, and when it's going to happen because the wind bloweth where it listeth. You can hear the sound there, but cannot tell from whence it cometh and whether it goeth. And so when the wind of God is blowing, the Spirit of God's moving, you cannot predict how the church is going to move and how the service is going to move in that service. Uh, but uh, the church is vital. The church is important. The church is important in our individual lives. The church is important in our family. I believe the whole family needs the church. Every member of the family needs the church. <clears throat> Amen. The church is not a place where you go and, and on Sunday morning you send a representative of the family and on Sunday night you send a different representative. <laughs> you know, I believe that every time the church meets together, the whole family ought to come. Praise God. The church is, is a family-oriented church. And I preach this strongly at home that the church is made up of families, of people. And thank God for the family. Uh, the church is vital to the family. It's vital to the home. I believe the church is vital to our community. Our communities are influenced and impacted to a great degree by an apostolic church. And so our community needs the church. Our nation needs the church. The Bible said in Proverbs 14 and 34 that righteousness exalteth a nation. 
But sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness will exalt a nation. Righteousness will lift up a nation. Righteousness will do a nation good. And uh, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. And the Bible said the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. That includes America too. Amen. We think about third world countries. We think about other countries. But I'm telling you that America is in trouble today. And the only thing that's going to help America is the power of God. And you're going to find that power through the church. Amen. Thank God for the church. And uh, I, I believe in the church. I love the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18, he said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. He uses a personal pronoun, I and my. He said, I will build my church. It's not mine, it's his. It's not Brother Elder's church, Brother Khan's church, it's his church. Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he said, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is God's work. I learned a long time ago, this is not my church. If it's my church, it's going down. If it's my church, it's a decrease in church. John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, his message was, I must decrease but he must increase. And the more we decrease, the more he increases. And the more he increases, and the more Jesus Christ is preached, and the more uh, our lives are lived through the power and the energy of his spirit, then the greater our church is going to be. Thus, the more people we're going to reach for God. Amen. Work while it's day. It's time for God's people to work. But he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The rock was not Simon Peter. The rock was the revelation of truth. Peter had just correctly identified Jesus Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Amen. And, uh, and, 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 and so the rock is the mighty revelation that Jesus Christ is the head of the church He's the savior of the body. He's the founder of the church. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. And he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, or he will finish it, or he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 47 that the Lord added to the church. It takes God to add the church. Paul said, I can plant Apollos can water, but God gives the increase. I can preach the gospel, but I can't add them to the church. I can baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ. We should. But it takes God to add them to the church. It takes God to fill folks with the Holy Ghost. There was a lady who got the Holy Ghost here last night. I don't know if she's here this morning, but I rejoice to see as she was standing down front here, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. I never get tired of seeing people get the Holy Ghost. Boy, I've seen a lot of people get the Holy Ghost, but I still love to see it. It's still new. It's still refreshing. It's still exciting. It's still glorious. Every time somebody gets baptized in Jesus' name, you know, a lot of folks leave before the baptismal service. Boy, I want to be there. I, I like to see people get baptized in Jesus' name. I like to be there when they get the Holy Ghost. I like to hear them speak in tongues. I just like to see God do it again. 
Amen. He'll confirm his word with signs following. But he said, the Lord added to the church, such as should be saved. In Ephesians 3 and verse 10, the Bible said, the wisdom of God is made known through the church. I'm telling you, the wisdom of God is not out here in the world. The world by wisdom knew not God. And it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. And so the wisdom of the world is one thing and the wisdom of God is entirely a different thing. And Paul said the way you get the wisdom of God is through the church. It is revealed. It is made known through the church. Hallelujah. I need the church. You need the church. Everybody needs the church. The older people need the church. The middle-aged folks need the church. The young people need the church. People from every age and walk of life needs the church. The wisdom of God is made known through the church. In Ephesians 5 and verse 25, the Bible said that Christ loved the church. He loved the church and he gave himself for it. He loved the church so much that he gave himself for it. He is the head of the church, the savior of the body. The church is the body of Christ and members in particular are, we are particular individual members of the Lord's body. Thank God for the church. I rejoice in the church. Don't ever depart from the church. Don't ever get away from the church. Stay under the canopy of the church. Stay under the direction of the church. Keep a shepherd in your life. Keep a man of God in your life. Amen. A lot of folks in this, uh, in this generation where everything's kind of footloose and fancy free, they're saying, I don't need a pastor. I have the Holy Spirit. I don't need a man of God. But I'm telling you, as sure as you're sitting here this morning, every one of us need a pastor. Every one of us need a shepherd. Every one of us need a man of God. Hallelujah. Amen. If you get to heaven, you're going to have the fingerprints of some man of God on you. Amen. And, and, and we need the church and we need the ministry of the church. And you know, as the pulpit goes, so goes the church. Really. And that's why it's important that we have men of God and men of character and men of ethics and men of principle and men that love God and men that love His Word. It's important that we have people in the pulpit that are lovers of Jesus Christ and they love His Word. So Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for it. You know... When, when, when Paul talked about the church, he didn't call it a, a helpless church. He didn't call it a backslidden church. The church that the Lord's going to present to himself was not called an anemic church. It was not called all of these other things. He said the Lord's going to present to himself a glorious church. A glorious church without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing, but that it should be holy. Thank God for the glorious church. I'm glad there's a glorious church on the face of this earth. Let me tell you, if Jesus Christ came right now, he'd have a church. I've had people tell me, well, the Lord can't come now. The church is not ready. Well, I'm going to tell you, some people will never be ready. Some people will sit around a church. I, I've got a man that I'm preaching to now, and uh, I've been preaching to him for years and years and years, and he's never done one thing about obeying God. Amen. He comes. He sits on the pew. He comes. In fact, He's one of the most faithful people we got. He never misses a service. If he's going on vacation, he'll let me know. That's better than some saints do. Praise God. Some folks go, and I just have to hear it through somebody else. I tell them around our church, there's a whole lot of folks know more that's going on around here than I do. 
I know the least of anybody around here. Praise God. You know why? Because everybody tells everybody else, but don't tell me. Well, can I get a witness right there? Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, this man comes every service. He never misses a week paying his tithes. He's never repented. He's never been baptized. He's never had the Holy Ghost. He comes and sits on the back pew. I can tell you exactly where he's going to sit. I can tell you where he's going to be. He never prays. He never comes to the altar. He never lifts his hand. But he comes to church and pays tithes. You know what? If, if some saints are not going to pay tithes, then God's going to let some sinner make it up. Huh? I've seen folks that didn't even obey God, and he's one of them. And they pay tithes, and they support the church. But now the Bible calls it a glorious church. In Hebrews 12, 23, the Bible calls it this, the church of the firstborn. The church of the firstborn. Listen, this church didn't start 100 years ago. This is not some Johnny-come-lately situation. This is not some new development. This is not some new deal. This is not some cult activity. This is not something derived of man. The church that we're a part of did not come from man. Jesus is the head of the church, and we're just privileged to be a part of it. Praise God. I'm still glad I'm in the church. Amen. I said, I'm still glad I'm in the church. And if you're in the church, bless God, just stay there with all your heart and uh, uh, just don't leave the church. Did you know churches go through different periods of time and sort of different segments in the church? There's, there's seasons of revival in the church when it looks like, boy, it's just easy to get the Holy Ghost. And everybody's coming. Everybody that comes to the altar is getting the Holy Ghost. And I've been there, bless your heart, when it looked like it was so hard and it was such a struggle to pray anybody through. And you say, well, what, what's going on? I don't claim to understand it all, but I do know this, that if we'll stay faithful, if we'll stay committed, if we'll stay yielded to God, if we'll stay following the Spirit, if we'll stay uh, uh, filled with the Spirit, then uh, there's going to be some times of the outpouring of the Spirit. There's going to be some times when you come on a Wednesday night or whatever night you have church, it's going to be a Bible study. Nobody's going to get the Holy Ghost. Perhaps I, I have seen folks get the Holy Ghost in Bible study. I taught a Bible study here a while back on paying tithes, and I just stood in my tracks. I just low-key and just taught a Bible study on paying tithes. And uh, when I got through teaching, I had everybody stand, and I said, would anybody like to come and pray? And bless your heart. To my, to my amazement, I guess I was amazed. Brother Hill House, two people came and got the Holy Ghost. And I told my church, I said, next Tuesday night, my subject will be paying tithes. If, if I can teach tonight and two people get the Holy Ghost, let's try it again next Tuesday night. But I really didn't. I didn't teach it again the next Tuesday night. But I was tempted to, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Folks can get the Holy Ghost, you know, anywhere. I've been learning folks to get the Holy Ghost anywhere. I've seen folks get the Holy Ghost in the prayer room, seen them get in the altar, seen them get it in the pew. I was preaching Brother Winford Black years ago in St. Louis, 13th and Gravois in St. Louis, Missouri. I mean, this goes on back, but Black's been dead several years. And I, he and I were standing on the platform, and they started to take the offering. In fact, they were receiving the offering. He turned to me in his own unusual way, as only Winford Black could do. He said, just, just hold on everything. I'll be back in a little bit. He went back and started praying for a couple of people sitting back there, and two or three people got the Holy Ghost while they were receiving the offering. Now, that's Winford Black. Nobody else could do it like he could do it. But he prayed them through the Holy Ghost while uh, they was receiving the offering. 
But I'm glad that God's got a church. If the Lord comes today, he's got a church. If he comes tomorrow, he'll have a church. If he comes next week or next month or next year, the Lord's going to have a church. He's going to present it to himself. He's not going to present it to some other member of the Godhead. He's going to present to himself a glorious church. Somebody say, praise the Lord. God has a church. But now, I'm talking this morning about how to kill your church without trying. And while I'm talking about it, I hope that nobody takes me up on it. I hope that you don't do what I'm fixing to talk about. (laughs) I've seen some people that had their degree in killing churches. They had advanced degrees. They knew just how to do it. I've seen folks, not in Kansas, of course, but where I've been in Missouri and North Carolina, I've seen folks that knew how to cause trouble in churches. Aren't you glad nobody in Kansas does that? Praise God. Everybody that I've met in Kansas are nice and sweet and wonderful people, and and they wouldn't cause trouble in the church for nothing. I I mean, just wouldn't do nothing but stand behind that pastor. Now, it's a little different in North Carolina sometimes. Praise God. But how to kill your church. Number one on ways to kill your church, be unfaithful to its services. Now that'll kill the church. Be unfaithful to the church services. If you want to kill your church, that's that's a good place to start. It'll just be unfaithful to the services. You know, a lot of people have time for everything, but they don't have any time for the church. When a man says that he can't keep awake through a 30-minute sermon, but he can stay at home and read a 700-column newspaper, who is he kidding? When a man says Sunday is his only day to rest, and yet he still he, he can't go to church, but he gets up at 4.30 a.m. and goes fishing or spends the day on the golf course, who is he kidding? He says, I can't go to church. Don't have time. When a man says the seats are too hard and uncomfortable, and then go Saturday, sit on the bleachers for hours in a drizzled rain, watching 22 men push one another back and forth across a mud lot. Who is he kidding? When a man says he can't afford to pay tithes, but he lives in a comfortable home, drives a new car, eats well, has computers, clothes his family comfortably, and has a good lifestyle, who is he kidding? Amen. When a man says he doesn't have time for Jesus Christ and the church, but he spends his evenings shopping, bowling, watching TV, going to clubs, playing cards, having evenings out, going out to eat, whatever, who is he kidding? Now, the fact is, we all have time to live for God. We all have time to go to church. I'm going to tell you, if I've got time to go anywhere, I've got time to go to church. Praise God. Praise God. If I've got time to go anywhere, I've got time to go to church. Now, years ago, in fact, I hate to mention how many years. It was 1960. 1960, I was preaching in Shreveport, Louisiana. That's been a long time ago. That was before Brother Cornwell was ever born. My Lord, have mercy. At least he makes us want to believe that. But uh, in 1960, I was was a 20-year-old preacher, and... uh, I'm a 66-year-old preacher now, but anyhow, 
uh, that was 46 years ago. I was preaching in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I cut something out of the bulletin board, and uh, it, it kind of got wrinkled over the years, so I had my secretary to laminate it and kind of so I could keep it. But I want to read you what came in the bulletin board on the, on, in the bu- church bulletin, Sunday bulletin, in 1960 in Shreveport, Louisiana. Here's, here's what it said, how to kill the church, how to kill your church. Number one, don't come. Number two, if you do come, Come late. Number three, when you come to church, come with a grouch or bad spirit. Number four, sit near the back so you can be one of the first ones to get out and then complain that no one is friendly. Glory to God. I'm just going to pre- keep on preaching until I make somebody mad. I'm just determined to make somebody mad today. <laughs> Amen. Number five, ask yourself, This question, every service, what do I get out of this? Number six, visit other churches about half the time to show your pastor that you're not tied down to him. This will help you get confused and backslide sooner, and then you can blame the church. Next one is, never accept responsibility. It's easier to criticize those who do. The next one is, let the preacher earn his living then criticize him for not being at his best. Next one, never show response to a sermon or a song. You might get a blessing. <laughs> Don't show any response to a sermon or song. You might get a blessing. And besides that, it would probably encourage the preacher and the singers to hear a hearty amen once in a while. Hallelujah. I teach in our church that the women... The women can say amen. That's great. I I appreciate it. But the men ought to say amen. Praise God. I appreciate it when the women say amen. But I tell our men in men's prayer, you ought to be the first one to say amen. You ought to be the first one to stand on your feet. You ought to be the first one to shout. This is not just a ladies' club. Praise God. The church is men and women and young people. Praise God, praise God. I've been to churches through the years where the ladies were in the prayer room and the men were standing out front in the vestibule talking about their crops, their cars, and everything else in the world. Men just as carnal as a yard dog. Amen. I've been to churches where they had ladies' prayer meetings, but some I've never heard of men's prayer. Praise God. We need some good, strong men in the church. Everybody say amen. All right, the next way to kill your church, be unfaithful with your tithes. Or better still, don't tithe at all. Next one, if you have to pray at church, pray to yourself. If you pray for someone else and with someone else, they might get saved. And it would take the church longer to die. Never attend the baptismal services. The new candidates might get the idea that you care. The next one is, don't attend or during revival, just attend on Sunday. When it comes to revival, just go on Sunday. And then have the attitude that they're lucky to have you there at all. Next one is, this way to kill you, church. Never speak to strangers. They might keep coming. You know, if you're nice and friendly and smile and invite them back, they might come back. It'll kill you, church. Uh, you know, if, if, your church, if you want to kill your church, don't do that because those people might keep coming and they might get the Holy Ghost. 
Praise God. Did you know Pentecostal people ought to be the happiest people in the whole world? They ought to be the friendliest people. Hallelujah. I've been in churches where I thought I was in the city morgue. Everything was dead. Praise God. A Pentecostal apostolic church ought to be alive with love, with joy, with peace, with happiness, with power, with the anointing of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here's another way to kill your church. It's especially helpful to tell your church's faults to any visitor that might happen in. Otherwise, they might be a long time finding out. <laughs> Another one is carry or keep a chip on your shoulder and throw a fit if anybody knocks it off. If you can keep the preacher busy patching up the member's wounds, he won't have the time or the heart to win souls. I tell our folks at church, Jesus is the counselor. So I read Isaiah 9. He's the counselor, not me. Folks want to counsel all the time, just talk and talk and talk. lady called me here a while back. She said, Pastor, I need about an hour of your time. I said, an hour? I was on the phone. I said, and I started laughing. I probably shouldn't have. But I, started, I said, an hour? I said, I hadn't even seen my wife today an hour. You think I'm going to take an hour with you? Praise God. God called me to preach. And you know what I've been learning? And, and I tell our folks, if you'll come to church 90 days and bring your Bible and follow the preaching and follow the teaching and worship God and pray, you won't need much if any counseling. Amen. About 10% of the people takes up 90% of the pastor's time. Now, I know it's not that way in Kansas. Praise God. But uh, I, I don't believe that, you know, we had a fellow pastor in North Carolina one time. And, in fact, he had district office, and he'd call me, and he said, man, I was counseling last night till 1.30 in the morning. Then he called me another day, and he said, I was counseling last night till 12.30. One day he called me, and he said, I was counseling till 2 o'clock. I said, when do you ever go to bed? I said, tell these sweet people to go home and go to bed and go to sleep. You don't need to be counseling at 1.30 in the morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you know what? Most of the time, when people say, I need an hour to counsel, and they, they can say it all in five minutes, and I can give them my answer in, in another 30 seconds, and we're on our way. No need in saying it five different ways. And... Glory to God. I'm just, I'm just going to meddle a little while here this morning. Praise God. I don't think a preacher ought to have to spend all his time. You said that's what he's supposed to do. No, it isn't. He's supposed to preach the gospel and win souls. Hallelujah. And you know what? The folks that are teaching Bible studies and running bus routes and knocking doors and winning souls, they are not the people that take it up all the time counseling. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I know there's, there are situations where you need to talk to your pastor. I understand that. But, you know, every little thing that comes along, I believe God wants to give to all of us a measure of spiritual maturity so we can live for God and love God and serve God and we can help others instead of being on the receiving end all the time, we can be on the giving end. Praise God. We can give out love. We can give out mercy. We can give out uh, the goodness of God. We can give out the kindness of God and all of that. Praise God. How many want to be used of God? Say amen. Amen. Now, here's another one. If you're singing the choir, this way to kill your church. 
If you sing the choir, do it half-heartedly. Then leave before the sermon. If you play an instrument, play too loud. If anybody says anything about it, go somewhere else, church. <laughs> Praise God. Never attend Sunday school. If you have to go to please the children, be, be sure to leave as soon as the class is over. Never testify in church unless you're called on. And if you're not called on, get offended about it. And I go on, that's, that's enough said of that. But you know, the bottom line is, while you're killing the church through these things, your own spiritual death is going to be the result. Praise God. We need men and women that says, you know what? I'm going to hold up the hands of the pastor. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love my church. I'm going to love the ministry. I'm going to love the saints. I'm in this to do everything I can to help people. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody shout amen. And so one way to kill your church is be unfaithful to services. Hebrews 10.25 said, Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see that they are approaching for, now the very next verse, we don't read that often, verse 26, the subject's not over. For, if we sin willfully, read it. Verse 25, forsake not the assembly of self together. And it continues, same subject. In verse 26, there's no, there's no period, it doesn't close the subject. For if we sin willfully, praise God. I'm, I guess I'm from the old school, but I believe when it's Sunday morning, if you're able to go anywhere, you ought to go to church. If it's Sunday night, you're able to go anywhere, you ought to go to church. If it's Wednesday night and you're able to go, you ought to go to church. Praise God. If I'm able to go to Walmart, I'm able to go to church. If I'm able to go to the mall, I'm able to go to church. If I'm able to entertain company, I'm able to go to church. If I'm able to go visiting, I'm able to go to church. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Clap your hands with me and let's praise God today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So forsake not the assembly of yourself together. Nehemiah 10.35 said we will not forsake the house of God. We will not forsake the house of God. Nothing is more encouraging to a pastor than to look out and see the saints there. Amen. When the saints are all there, then there can be a wonderful move of God, a wonderful move of the Spirit. Now, let me go to number two real quickly. i got to hurry out of the way. Number two, we're talking about ways to kill your church. Be indifferent to the church's program and its activities. Be indifferent to the church's programs and its activities. What are the churches doing? Just be casual about it. Be nonchalant. Be indifferent. If you're going to have a choir, don't sing in it. Praise God. You know, the choir members, if you're going to have a choir, ought to be faithful to the choir. Uh, Sunday school teachers ought to be faithful to Sunday school teaching. Amen. Everything we do, we ought to be faithful to it. We ought to do it heartily, with all of our heart. Amen. If you're in the youth department, you ought to be faithful in your duties in the youth department. If you're in Sunday school, be faithful. You know, Sunday schools don't die because church members are anti-Sunday school. Church uh, Sunday school dies because people lose interest in it. They don't put their heart in it. Praise God. 
A lot of God's people are just hitting and missing. They have apathy. They have total unconcern. Hallelujah. We need our interest in the things of God. After all, we put our interest in other things. What really is important? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Somebody say amen. One of the great enemies to the church today is unconcerned. It's apathy. There was a guy preaching one time, Brother Riggin, and he was, he was up preaching, and he said to illustrate his point, he said the greatest enemies of the church today is ignorance and apathy. He said that's the greatest, that's the greatest enemies of the church is ignorance and apathy. And to illustrate his point, he pointed to a guy sitting on the front row. He said, ain't that right? The guy came back with the answer, I don't know, and I don't care. He proved his point, didn't he? Praise God. I don't know, and I don't care. But I'm telling you that apathy is an enemy of the church. Amen. Inconsistency is an enemy of the church. Indifference is an enemy of the church. Failure to cooperate with the church is an enemy of the church. Failure to be involved is an enemy of the church. The idea of let him do it, let him do it, let her do it, let somebody else do it. You know, wouldn't it be a great thing in any church? I don't care if you got 15 people or 500. Wouldn't it be a great thing if everybody would say, this is my church, I'm a part of it, I'm going to be involved in it. Whatever this church does, I'm going to do it. I'm a part of this church. Praise God, I'm a part of this church. Glory, whatever this church has, I'm a part of it. If they have yard sale, I'm a part of it. If they make a beat up riddle, I'm part of it. If they're knocking doors, I'm a part of it. If they're teaching Bible studies, I'm a part of it. Whatever this church is involved in and the direction that the pastor sets for this church, that's the way I'm going. I'm going to flow with it. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. The third thing on the way to kill your church is... Be insensitive to the church's needs. Be insensitive to the church's needs. Ask yourself the question, what kind of church would this church be if every member was just like me? What if every member of your church was just like you? Be insensitive to the church's needs. That'll kill your church. We retired the church we retired its growth and its future, and we cheat ourselves when we do not participate in what the church has got going on. Did you know what I've observed in 45 years of pastoring is that the happiest people in the church are the ones that are involved. The happiest people. The gripers and the grouchy people, the complainers and, and the ones that, uh, you know, just always upset about something, they're not involved. Brother, we need to get so busy in the church and what the church is doing, we don't have time to worry about what somebody else is doing. Sometimes people sit around the church, come to the pastor, what about this fellow and what about this fellow? And I thought if they came to Jesus and asked him the same question. And his answer was, might seem a little bit smart. He said, what is that to you? You follow me. Praise God. I don't think we need to be sitting around worrying about what everybody else is going to do. Amen. It's for me and my house. We'll serve the Lord. Let's just get busy. Let's do something for God. Brother, when we're insensitive to the church's needs, then we're not going to go forward, and the church is not going to be blessed. The happiest people in the church are involved people. 
people that's participating, people that are involved. Amen. You'll always have some criticism, cynicism. I was reading one day about a father and his son, and they were taking a donkey to the market. Not a rooster, but a donkey. Praise God. Hallelujah. They was taking a donkey to the market. And the father sat on the donkey, and the boy was walking beside of him. They was going down the road, and one person said, what a terrible thing. A big, strong man sitting on the donkey's back, and the poor boy has to walk. So the father got off of the donkey, put the boy on the donkey. Then they went on down the road, and somebody said, how terrible. This strong man walking, and that little boy sitting. So, they, this is when you listen to criticism. So then they both got on the donkey's back and started riding. And somebody observed on down the road, how terrible. Two people sitting on one poor little donkey. And so then they got off of the donkey, and they was all walking, the donkey and the father and son. And somebody down the road observed, how crazy. The donkey has nothing on his back, and two people are walking. And you know how they finally got to the market? The father and his son were carrying the donkey. And if, that's, if you listen to all the criticism, that's what you'll be doing. You'll be carrying the donkey. Praise God. We don't need to be critics and have criticism in our heart, but we need to participate. Everybody say amen. Everybody said amen. Praise God. Praise God. When you're involved, you're happy. When you're getting something done, you're happy. When you're bringing brand new people to church and they're coming to the altar, you're happy. When somebody you brought to church is getting baptized in Jesus' name, you're happy. When you're praying people through to the Holy Ghost, you're happy. The happiest people are the involved people. Now let me move on. Number four, ways to kill your church. Be indignant toward others. Be indignant toward others. Many churches are dead and cold because of a lack of love. A lack of love. If there's any place in the world you ought to find love, it's in the church. If there's any place you ought to find good people and, and with, with sweet spirits and attitudes, it's in the church. I mean, if saved people don't have love, who's going to have it? If, if saved people that are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and walking with God, if they don't have the love of God, if they don't have kindness, if they don't have mercy, if they don't have all of these attributes that truly the attributes of Christ working in us, if, if we don't display them, then who's going to have it? The drunkard won't. The liar won't. The gambler won't. It's up to God's people. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. That's, that's going to be the line that's going to show. If you have love one to another. Amen. In John, or rather in Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32, Paul said, Be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. Hey, this is what he said saints. He said, Be kind one to another and be tender hearted, forgiving one another. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you walk in a church and nobody's mad at anybody else, nobody's upset at anybody, everybody just loves everybody, and they're tenderhearted, and they're forgiving one another? Amen. That's my wife's favorite verse. And I remember when our girls, we got two girls, 
and they're both married to preachers. One of them is uh, as pastoring in uh, Asheville, North Carolina right now. Been there 10 years, she and her husband. And uh, the other daughter, my older daughter and son-in-law, is my assistant pastor. But they're leaving and going on the evangelistic field. And I'm just mad as an old wet hen about it. Praise God. That's right. I want to go evangelize. He's been my full-time assistant for seven years. And they're leaving next month and want to evangelize. And they got my daughter, granddaughter, 15, my grandson, 11, and they're taking them away. I, I told them the other day, I said, I don't care for y'all leaving. Just leave the kids here. <laughs> I've got two daughters and five grandchildren. And out of my five grandchildren, they're all boys except four. And uh, so I got one grandson, he's 11, he's my buddy. And they're going to take him away. And boy, I tell you, I'm just not what I'm going to do. That's doing me wrong, isn't it? That's wrong. I'm telling you, that's wrong. Amen. And uh, my granddaughter's 15. She's staying with my wife last night. And I called her and she said, Papa, she said, I think I've decided when Daddy and Mama leaves, I'll just stay here and live with y'all. I said, that's a bright idea. You go talk. To, I said, you t- talk to your Daddy and Mama about that. I said, that's all right with me. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, churches go through different situations. I had seven ch- preachers in my church three months ago. One of them went to France to be a missionary. And this has been going to on for four years. All of this is with my backing approval. I haven't had a word's trouble with one of them. Haven't had one word problem with one of them. One of my preachers is deputizing right now going to France. One of my preachers um, was just voted in Augusta, Georgia, Tuesday night. Down there where Brother Ron Wolford used to pastor. Some of you know him. He, he's, he's teaching my adult class every Sunday. And the best one I've ever had. And he just was voted in Tuesday night in Augusta, Georgia. And then we started daughter work 30 miles north of us about five years ago. And now then it's got where a man can go up there and, and take it. And my full-time youth pastor just six weeks ago just took that church with my, with my approval. You know, I'm silly. I just go along with everything. Praise God. And then my assistant pastor's leaving. And, and I'm telling you, I'm, you know the feeling, don't you? Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> I told him Tuesday night, I said, the last one out, turn off the lights. (laughs) But let me tell you something. The church has got a job to do. And my wife's favorite verse of Scripture when my kids were growing up was be you kind one another. Now, my girls get in back seat. They're four years apart. And one of them would be sitting on one side and one on the other side in back seat. First thing you know, one of them would reach over and hit the other. Now, your kids wouldn't do that, would they? And they'd get a little fuss going in the back seat. And my wife would turn around. And she, uh, she carried a fly swat with her. And uh, it was not for flies. <laughs> and she made them quote this scripture. I'll guarantee you, if you call Cindy or Lisa right now and say, what scripture have you learned more than any verse in all the Bible? My wife put it in them. Be ye kind one to another. I'll guarantee you. But you know what? We as Christians need to carry that out. Be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Praise God. 
Ways to kill your church is just have a bad spirit. It's uh, be indignant toward other people. It's not participating with other people in the work of God. Hebrews 12, 15 said, Beware lest any root of bitterness spring up. Any root of bitterness. I'm going to tell you, in a preacher or saint or anybody, if a root of bitterness gets in there, it can defile you. Amen. We got to get bitterness out of our heart and criticism and gossip and bad spirits and division and ism and schism and those things that divide us. Praise God. We must respect one another. Everybody say amen. I said God's people ought to respect one another. Now let me go to number five real quickly. I'm talking about ways to kill your church. Be inconsistent with the church's teachings and standards. This is ways to kill your church. Be inconsistent with the church's teachings and its standards. Every church has got to have, it's going to be God's church, it's got to have some teaching. There's got to be something you believe. There's got to be something that you stand for. And we're not ashamed of the fact that we stand for repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and for the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. We stand for that. I stand for Acts 2.38 with all of my heart. I stand for the new birth message and the way to be born again is the water and spirit, Acts 2.38, John 3.5. I stand for the fact that there's one God. I don't believe we can vacillate on that. I'm standing for the fact that there's one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen, amen. And uh, I had a friend many years ago, and, and I know this is on tape, and I'll just say it kindly. I had a friend that I used to preach with when I was a single evangelist. His name was Joel Hemphill. And he later, it was a singing Hemphills. And um, I loved Joel Hemphill. He and I spent time together. We preached revivals together. He was a Jesus name, one God apostolic preacher through and through from the top of his head to his feet. And he comes from Louisiana down around where Bastrop, down in there somewhere. You know, West Monroe, all down through there. Well, I, I, through the years, I've, I've met, met Joel, and we've talked. And uh, uh, he, he, of course, left the apostolic movement, pastored a, a Baptist church in, in Tennessee for a while, and then he didn't preach any for much for a while. And then he wrote a book. Have any of you got the book that Joel wrote? Yeah, he wrote a book, and he called me on a Monday morning about six weeks ago. And he said, hey, brother, go there. And I said, hey, he said, Joel Hemphill. I said, yeah. He said, uh, I got a book I want to send you. And I said, what's the book all about? So he began to explain to me, God's given me a new revelation. There's not, there's not one God. There's not three. I don't believe in the Trinity, but I believe there's two gods. The Father and the Son are two separate, distinct people. And we're good friends, and I'm saying this kindly. I said, Joel, I don't believe that. And I started giving him scripture. And the Godhead happens to be one of my favorite subjects. And uh, so uh, uh, I started giving him scripture. We talked for about 50 minutes and I had to leave for noonday prayer. We have ever, uh, 20 years, we've had noonday prayer every Monday from 12 to 1. For those, everybody can come. And so I said, I got to leave and go to noonday prayer. 
And uh, he said, I'm going to send you the book. Then he wrote me a personal letter the next day. said, I enjoyed talking with you. I'm going to call you back. Read my book. I want to tell I want to ask you. I want some input. What do you think about it? Well, I read the book, and I'm waiting for Joel to call me back. If he don't call me back, I'm going to call him. And I'd say it if he's standing here today. I like him personally. He's a good guy. And I used to preach with him, and I've been around him. But that book is not telling the truth. And it, 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 and, and, and it's so moves the scripture around and twist and pervert them. I told my wife, I said, it's going, to, uh, it's going to influence a lot of young preachers that don't have a real good understanding of the Godhead. We got a presbyter in North Carolina. He is now. Uh, he, when he wasn't presbyter, he was, he was teaching on the Godhead. He told us. He was preaching on Godhead one night in a Wednesday night Bible study. And he said, I got in over my head. And he said, I just finally said, folks, I... I don't know what I'm talking about. I said, Dis- you're dismissed. I said, I'll study some more and come back a little later. He serves an evangelist in UPC for six years. Praise God. But, folks, we better know what we believe. We better know what we stand for. Praise God. Praise God. And so being inconsistent with the church's teachings and standards will help to kill your church. Even when it comes to separation of the world, we don't need to be afraid of that. God has called us to be separate. Come out from among them and be as separate, saith the pastor. Huh? Come out from among them and be as separate, saith the preacher. No, he said, saith the Lord. So separation from the world is God's idea. And Romans 12 said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is it good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Luke 21, 34, take heed to yourself, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life and so on. Titus 2 and 11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. I believe we need to stand for something. And, 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 and a lot of folks think if we stand for something, we got a bad spirit. I don't think we have to have a bad spirit to stand for something. I teach that ladies ought to have long hair. I don't have bad spirit about it. I just teach that from the Bible. I teach men ought to have short hair. I teach men ought to wear the pants. Ladies ought to wear the dresses. I teach we ought to wear makeup. Should not wear makeup. Amen. Paint belongs on houses and barns, not on women's faces. Amen. And there's a lot of other things I teach, but I believe we ought to be separate from the world. Come out from among them and be you separate. What first John two and fifteen say? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is not a father, it's of the world. And the world, the lust of the earth shall pass away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I think our distinctiveness in our apostolic movement must be kept. We must not compromise. We must not let down. We must not give in. We must not be worrying well-doing. And I don't think i got a bad spirit, but I'm still preaching what I've been preaching for a long time, that when you get right with God, it'll change your life. It'll change your lifestyle. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. Hallelujah. I love this way of living. I hear of churches that in here and there that are letting down. And uh, heard of one.
just this week where the pastor finally got up and said after years, women can cut their hair here and you can wear makeup. This is a church where everybody, most everybody in this building would be aware of the pastor. And he said, you can cut your hair and you can wear makeup and you can do this and that. And, and, and uh, you can wear pants, but not to church and so on. And, and I mean, I'm talking about a pretty good sized church. I'm telling you, friend, we must be grounded in the truth and solid so that these things do not move us and they do not shake us. Thank God for the truth. Everybody say amen. You say, well, my message is love. Well, mine is too. But you know what? I've, I've been reading the book of Acts. My wife and I, we read every, the Bible every night. I read to her and we pray every night. We have family devotion when I'm home. <laughs> and, and so uh, we, be, we just finished the book of Acts. And you know what? The word love is not found in the book of Acts, not even one time. Not one time. You read all 28 chapters, and the word love is not in there. Now, does that mean they didn't have love? No. I don't think that means that at all. But the, the book of Acts is the history of the early church that spans roughly some 30 years or so. And in that history book, you cannot find the word love mentioned not even one time. And that ought to convince us of, of a couple of things. Number one, people were not driving around the streets. With God loves you bumper stickers on the back of their chariots. Amen. They didn't have cars. So they wasn't doing that. And number two, personal evangelism did not consist of just telling a sinner that God loves you and smile and he's got a plan for your life. There's a preacher that's got pretty famous by smiling and grinning and saying, I'll never cross anybody and I'll never offend anybody. And he has thousands in his church in Texas. And the main thing is to smile and grin and be positive and don't ever cross anything or anybody. When he was asked, what do you think about the Muslims? He said, I, I, don't, I love everybody. I don't wanna, what do you think about the religion? Oh, I don't want to cross nobody. What about the homosexual movement? Oh, I don't, and, and gay marriage? I don't want to cross anybody. Well, I'm telling you, there comes a time when an apostolic preacher has got to stand up for something. And boy, we ought to do it with, a, with the love of God and the good spirit. I love the people I preach to. I mean, I, I don't look at people when I preach to them as my enemies. The people I preach to are my friends, and I love them. I love them with all my heart. I spent 34 years, starting 35 in Durham, and we started with just my family the first Sunday. So it's obvious. I love those people. I'm not trying to hurt people. If you're going to have a revival church, you can't major in getting up and having a bad spirit and trying to run everybody off. My job is not to try to run everybody off. My job is to try to get them to God. Huh? My job is to try to get them to love this God that I came to love a long time ago. And to serve God. Amen. So I close with this. We need to be dedicated to the message of Acts 2.38. The message of the mighty God in Christ. The message of separation of the world. The message of loving God with all of our heart. And then number six, ways to kill your church, is not following dedicated leadership. That's one of the ways to kill your church. Not following dedicated leadership. You know what Paul said? I've heard people in this generation say, I'm not going to follow any preacher. I'm not going to follow no man. No man's going to tell me what to do. You know what Paul said? He said, you follow me as I follow Christ. Is that what he said? 
He said, you follow me as I follow Christ. Did you know it's hard for a preacher to please everybody all the time? Let me tell you parents that are here this morning, you will tear down your pastor when you speak against him. And if you do that in front of your children or the unsaved husband or the unsaved wife, it is very unwise and it will hinder them from ever coming in the church. Amen. When you have fried pastor for lunch and baked pastor for dinner, it's no wonder that oftentimes our children are unsaved. We ought to teach, I'm talking to saints now, you ought to teach a love for that man of God, a love for that pastor. Put it in the heart of your kids to love the preacher, to love the pastor, to love the man of God, to stand behind him. One of these days, you're going to need that pastor. One of these days, your son or your daughter is going to need that preacher. Amen. I read where it said, uh, uh, finally, there's been, a, there's been a preacher found that suits everybody, guaranteed to please everybody. He preaches exactly 25 minutes and sits down. He preaches, never preaches against sin. And if he does hint that way, it's such a gentle way, it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. He works from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on a public job. Every kind of thing possible. He cleans up the church if necessary, help overhaul the card of the congregation, the members' congregation. He's an expert in every field, dresses in the best clothes, buys the latest books on every subject, has a well-dressed, well-behaved family, drives a late bottle car at all times, gives to every charitable fund activity, and he gives $30 a week back to the church from his $60 week income. Amen. That he makes from the church. He's 26 years old. He's been preaching 30 years. He's tall. He's short. He's handsome. He's heavy set. He has two, two eyes. One of them's green and one blue. He parts his hair in the middle, and the right side is dark and wavy, and the left side is kind of standing. You, now you get the point of what I'm talking about. If you try to please everybody, you're going to go crazy. I love the people I preach to, but I found out a long time ago my main job is to please God. That's my main job is to please God. Amen. Just keep on walking. Keep on trying to please God. You know, one farmer, <coughs> not in Kansas, probably in Oklahoma. Let's say in Oklahoma. A farmer in Oklahoma came to town, and he asked the owner of a restaurant if he could use a million frog legs. Could you use a million frog legs? And the owner was shocked, but he finally said, where are you going to get all this frog legs, million frog legs? And he said, well, there's a pond near my house, and it is full of frogs. There's, I don't know how many. They croak night and day. They're about to drive me crazy, and I want to sell you a million frog legs. And so finally an agreement was made for the farmer to bring several hundred of the frog legs the following week, and we'll start off from there. A week later, the farmer returned to the uh, owner of the business, and he said, kindly sheepishly, he had two little scrawny frog legs. He told the proprietor, he said, I was mistaken. There were only these two frogs in that little pond, but they sure were making a lot of noise. Wound up, he thought he had a million frogs, and he had two frogs in that pond. But they were sure making a lot of noise. And I'm going to tell you, you get one or two people out of sorts with God and with the pastor, and they can sure cause a lot of noise. 
But aren't you glad you're not that way? <laughs> Praise God. We need to love God, love the Word, love the man of God, love the saints, love our church, be involved in our church, do everything we can to promote our church, and God will bless us. Let's stand together, please. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's worship God with me, will you? Will you, will you lift your hands and praise the Lord this morning? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I've been talking this morning about ways to kill your church. And naturally, I hope you don't do any of them because we don't want to hurt our church. We want to build up our church. We want our churches to be strong. We want our churches to have growth. We want our churches to have revival. We want our churches to have a move of God. We want our churches to see a mighty move of God in the church. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I believe the best way to be happy is start getting involved. How many like to be involved in your church and what it's doing? <laughs> amen, amen, amen. You know, I'll close with this. We, we are accused uh, by many people of, of just having a bunch of kids come to church. And you know what? I don't deny the charge. I love to have children come to church. Because you know what? A bunch of those kids will grow up. I've been there now starting on 35 years, and I ask everybody to stand about three or four weeks ago on a Tuesday night. Everybody's one to God and bus ministry stand up. I promise you there were people standing all over the house, including three of our preachers were one to God in bus ministry. Amen. And, you know, I don't apologize for the fact and a lot of people say, oh, I wouldn't do that, man. I wouldn't. But I don't apologize for the fact that we run 20 buses every Sunday. And we have 14 maxi wagon vans. I'm not bragging, but I'm not going to apologize for it. We bring four or 500 people on our buses every Sunday. And you know what? A lot of them now are getting baptized. They're getting the Holy Ghost. They're beginning to live for God. They're coming to the night services. They're worshiping God. Praise God. Praise God. Brother, Brother Merle Ewing sent um, uh, some of his, about 10 of his bus workers about four years ago up to our place and said, could they come and just spend the weekend? And I said, yeah, I don't brag about what we're doing, but yeah. If it, and, and so they rode on the buses. They went on Saturday visitation. And he, he wrote me a while back and said, uh, out of that group, now then we're having 150 or more that's riding the buses every Sunday. There was a group that came to our church and spent the weekend about three years ago, and they told me recently they're averaging 200 every Sunday in bus ministry. Another church came to spend the weekend at our church. They was from Idaho. They flew all the way to Durham, and they, two, two couples, and they spent the weekend and went back, and now then the pastor called me, and he said, we have seven buses, and we're averaging 130 to 150 every Sunday. I called on the phone last night when I got back to my room. 
Brother Lonzo Terry had called me. You know Brother Terry. Some of you know him from Atlanta, Georgia. He, he, he was on the phone. He said, Brother Goodair, I'd like to come up and I'd like to bring at your convenience some bus workers and spend the weekend with you. We want our bus ministry to grow. I'm not saying that we're the example, but all I'm saying is we're going to go into homes and we're going to bring these kids. You say, how much money can they give? Listen, if all you do is look at it from a monetary standpoint, you're not going to do it. You've got to see it as souls. It's souls. It's souls. It's souls. It's men and women and young people. Praise God. Praise God. We don't do babysitting. We don't bring them in like one church, a nominal church in our town. They bring the bus kids in. They give them a sandwich on the bus. They count them and take them back home, and they never come in class. I insist. I've got a record every Sunday of what time every teacher gets there, every assistant teacher gets there, every, every bus worker gets there. That's laid on my desk Monday morning. I've got the exact minute that all those people arrived. And I insist that our bus workers be there at 10 o'clock and that they have Sunday school. And, and, and then we bring a, a, a few classes. We rotate classes and bring them in the auditorium. I don't want them to come for five years and not know what a Pentecostal service is like, know what, not know what it's like in the auditorium. Amen. Three weeks ago, we had over 120-something teenagers riding our bus. I want to tell you something, friend. That is a future church right there, if we can capitalize on that. So God help us. I want our church to be everything God wants it to be. Praise God. Lift your hands and praise God with me. Thank you for your kindness and your attention.